Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. You can question my intentions, but don't question my words. (laughs) Hollywood is full of pretenders, and I slay them all. Oh, you guys. You guys. There's so much to say. I feel like we just recorded, honestly, off off recording. We just had a mini episode of our own, a Patreon for the Soul, which I'm very into you guys it's Andy's girls it's episode 240 and I am so excited to be joined by a guest co-host who I have been looking forward to talking to for a minute because I feel like I talk to you in my head when I'm (laughs) watching the show so all the better that I force you to listen to the things I have been thinking about for a couple months. Guys, welcome to Andy's Girls and the People's People's Couch. None other than Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, Crystal Kung-Minkoff. Crystal. (laughs) I'm so comfortable. Um, Well, first off, we're recording in your gorgeous um, hotel space somewhere. (laughs) Whereabouts uh, is no one's business here in New York City. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so excited to be here with you because I just adore you. I'm, I'm such a, I'm a stan. I've learned that word now. I stan you. Is that what I, did I say it correctly? I'm looking at Crystal's friend, Sabrina. Chris, Sabrina, did you get that? I mean, I am, we did technically <laughs> record it for my podcast. Do we have a video? So we, I might have to have you redo that as the kids say in the I Hollywood terms. Anything you want, anything. Um, for something you so much. I have to say you, I feel like I commented on something on your social and you responded and were like, I'm a fan. And I had a heart attack and I, I was like, 
I, I feel like I'm misinterpreting what fan is. So I didn't want to respond because I'm like, surely she means this for somebody. No, I mean it for you. Uh, totally. But I get it because like I when people are like, they're fanning me now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm literally like just like a, like a person that happened to be asked to do a show. Like I'm like the same person I was like the day before the show started. So I feel like that it's odd to me. But like when I see you, I'm like, I'm such a fan. And I have to remember like, she's such, she's just like a regular person, but I get really excited that I get to be near you. <laughs> Guys, I can't believe this is happening. First off, first and foremost, I just have to say, I have so many questions for you, but you're bringing up a really interesting point, which is the idea that you yourself have stayed the same, noting you may have learned things about yourself from this experience, but you are still waking up with you every morning. It just so happens that people that see you walking down the street may want to say hi, may know more about you than you ever thought a stranger could. What is that like? Is it is there a way to describe it? So Sabrina and I were having lunch and someone came up to me like, oh, you know, love you on the streets. It happened last night. It's a little odd. Yeah. But I think because I, I would see it happen with people in LA like if I was out with an actor or someone famous um or like even with Rob Rob is like has never been a public person like his Mm -hmm. his work is public he's not public Mm -hmm. but like the random time like serious animation fans would know he is like that's you know those are the deep fans Mm -hmm. um like oh that's kind of nice so it's not like totally foreign it hasn't been that unfamiliar but it's just it's it's still weird. I think I remember Teddy said to me, people like you'll feel like people are staring at you that you don't know if they're staring at you because they know you from the show or you have something in your teeth. Mm. Like they oh don't, my or, God. or you think that they're th- staring at you. Oh so you're God. always I'd rather people actually come up to me because then it's like then it's like I know why you're looking at me. Not because like I something looks weird on my face or something and I have a mark on my face or I don't know, whatever it is. But no, it's a little odd, but it's so nice. Everyone's so super friendly. Like it's very, it's always been very kind. So, but even if they weren't, I'm like, okay, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I would hope that someone that's interacting with you IRL is yeah. like, um, you're great. And yeah. not like, uh, I have a list of grievances <laughs> person IRL who I'm within six inches I would of. I'd be open to that too. I'd be like, if you had a problem, I'd be like, okay. But no, no one hasn't done that yet. But everyone's very, super respectful. No, it's a totally new and bizarre thing. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. How do you prepare for signing on to reality TV like what what inspired the decision to go on this specific kind of show did anything or was it just honestly this is an amazing opportunity it's something fun to do I've never done this before and let's just kind of ride the wave I think that um it was sort of it happened in the right time for me yeah I think had it happened maybe pre-COVID I was I my first call was two weeks after lockdown no so I was just kind of sitting there depressed because the world was imploding and um I think if I was in my normal life I'd be like this is not for me because things were moving and I got the first call and I was like 
no, like not right away. Teddy called me. And she's like, why? I was like, it's just not for me. And then I told Rob and he was like, there's, you're doing not just take a phone call because it'll be the one thing you can look forward to this month because we're locked yeah. down. Just something interesting, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, Even though he was not on board, he was just mm-hmm. like, let just, Rob is the kind of person who's don't close anything until you know what it is about. Yeah. So I took a call and I was like, okay. And then like not really interested. And then they called again. And then I just sort of went through the motions of it. Still not, I just never thought it would happen, you know, because so many people get called and, and I never thought about it. Just, it was just like, oh, for fun. And I would hang up and I would just go do something inside my house, you know. And then it just kept continuing. And then I got a call from Kathy. And Kathy's like, what do you think? (laughs) And she called me at like midnight. And I'm like, I, you know, it was COVID. So like, I was going to bed at 1 p.m. Kathy Eastern time. But I'm going to like bed at 7 p.m. at this point because there's nothing to do. Right. And I'm like, why is Kathy calling me? Like, is she going? Like, I didn't, you know, no one's going out or anything. (laughs) And she's like, I just think we should do it together. You know, and I know who you are and you know me and we can go in this together. And why not? I was like, heck, I look at Rob. I'm like, Kathy says we should do the show. And he's like, how can you say no to Kat? Like, what? I don't know. I'm like, I, this is so crazy to me. And I was like, you know what? While the world, so many people's opportunities are being taken away in such a horrific time. Yeah. I was I was going through my whole existential, like. Love it. The world is giving me an opportunity. And what does this mean? Yeah. You know, and I, I have not really done anything for myself in that way. I was like, maybe. And I felt really solid. Like, Rob and I always felt solid. Like, that was our biggest fear. We called his agents. We called our, all our family and friends. We had a ton of, like, a ton of meetings about it because mm-hmm. we wanted to go in as eyes wide open as we could. Mm-hmm. And we felt good as a family. And that was that was really never an issue. And we said, okay, let's I'll, I'll do it. Because it's not a single – it's not an individual decision. It's a family decision. Mm-hmm. If none of my – if no one in my family wanted me to do I wouldn't have done it. And it's also a business decision. Totally. And we asked Rob's agents. We're like, is this not good? He's like, no, like it's this has nothing to do with Rob. You know, this is about you. And um, I was like, you know, and also being the first Asian American on the show, you know, I felt a massive responsibility, a fear of the responsibility, to mm-hmm. be totally honest. You know, like would I be representing properly? What does that mean? And, and I remember Rob just saying like, you can't represent every single Asian person. Mm -hmm. You know, you are your own person, but you're so proud of your culture, so proud of your family. So that's always a great thing to show in, you know, your life. So it just, there were so many layers to it. It's not, it was not an easy decision. And um, so I, once I said yes, I was like, (laughs) It's such an interesting time, too, to be the first Asian woman on full-time on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills during COVID yeah. when there is rampant racism and yeah. xenophobia happening, noting the stress compounded on you, not only as feeling like you are the representative of this, the stress, the pressure of that but also doing so in a bubble when you know outside of the bubble there's all of this other shit that's being said. Like, 
I would think the world could sometimes feel like a little bit of a trigger in that sense. When you're seeing the headlines, you're seeing what people are saying in real time, having literally nothing to do with you as a person. But when you think about the symbol of it and how that can be weaponized for people, almost like against your own will at times. Yeah. That's a lot. It's like there's a heaviness to that just because of this unfortunate time for the world, you know? It was actually even at some point scary. Yeah, of course. My mom, you know, I I remember one of, oh, it was the shooting in Atlanta. Oh, my God. And my mom called me crying. And she says, don't do this. I was like, we were already deep in it. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't want you to go outside. People know who you are now. She really just thought I had a, a target on my back and and I was like I'm fine I don't want to scare because she could she was already just scared of being a Chinese person mm-hmm. and so her and Marshall her boyfriend would just not leave the house at all just lock the door they were so afraid and you know of course I have mixed feelings I like to think of myself as someone who's like oh I'm gonna just stand up and be out there you know mm-hmm. I was I was scared of course and so I just kept teetering between like putting myself out there more mm-hmm. and then also hiding. Mm-hmm. And I think that is very common mm-hmm. for people of color, especially, mm-hmm. you know, during this time. Um, so yeah, like again, it's like this is just one aspect of the many layers and complications and fears about doing the show mm-hmm. and becoming public in a time that's so tumultuous um, at the same time, I know who I am and mm-hmm. I know my family and the support I have. So I was like, I think I can do this. I think I can represent properly and speak out for those who are too afraid to, mm-hmm. even though I'm still scared inside. And there is the idea of representation that also says, I am a human person, flaws and all. Like there's an expectation and a weight on so many people who are representatives of members of marginalized communities, including people of color, most especially including women of color, where it feels like the idea that you may or may not be perfect in every way, you're constantly being evaluated against a scale that is obscenely unrealistic Mm -hmm. so the idea to me of going on a show like housewives which was formed in many ways as the like you know behind the gates kind of idea of these women who seem to be living perfect lives and yet now we know they are also god forbid human people to be a representation of who you are on a show like Housewives, putting aside exactly what I just said two seconds ago, Mm -hmm. like all this stress and and being the first and the pressure that comes with that and just saying like, this is who I am is incredibly powerful. And it's something that you should be, I think, honestly commended for. Um, I find myself a little bit of a crystal apologist (laughs) in many ways, in all the best ways. Um, (laughs) 
because I feel like there are things that you have experienced and communicated on the show that have genuinely connected with me where I'm like, oh my God, somebody's talking about body dysmorphia, like check the list on my soul. Like somebody's talking about recovery from disordered eating, check the list off my soul. Somebody is communicating and refusing to give in to the pressure of uh, creating and maintaining boundaries, which is incredibly difficult, let alone when you're doing so with a group of women, you know, surrounded by cameras where you know that you are going to be examined and criticized Mm -hmm. regardless of what choice you make, but you're still making those choices. Like you're refusing to bend in, I think, all of the best ways. Check. I think that's incredibly powerful to see you know I've seen every episode of the season which has been extraordinary I gotta tell you like one of the best of all time no big deal (laughs) but I've seen every episode a couple times this morning I got up early and I did like a little bit of a breeze through all 11 episodes or how many how many we've had so far and I was really kind of just to watch some of your responses in key moments in episodes you you have stayed pretty consistent Watching the episodes back, first off, are you watching the episodes? Are you watching them in real time? How has that changed your percep- perception of your responses in some of these heightened moments? Um, wow. You're an incredible interviewer. <laughs> like, these are very <laughs> dynamic questions. I was like, where'd you get your mask? I love these conversations. I mean, this is like, I love this topic and I love talking about this stuff Mm -hmm. um so to begin uh, with looking back on it I I I'm I'm reactive even though I'm quite stoic on the show because I'm hyper aware of the cameras Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me you know when I went to Tahoe it was my second day of shooting no it wasn't yeah (gasps) yeah I think I so maybe my, it was my third. So Wednesday, I saw Lisa and Kyle. Friday was Dorit's dinner. And then we left Monday. So it was my third oh day of my shooting. Oh, my God. That makes me want to so die a little three, bit. So day three, four, five was. That makes me want to die. That makes that, I, things are curdling in yeah. my spirit. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's not only my third day of shooting, third day of meeting everyone, second day because I only had the dinner. And just I was keenly aware of camera. I've never been on camera before. Yeah. You know, and so. When people, I, it's funny, the audience and p- some people are like, oh, she, there was a hot mic. She didn't know. Like, you don't forget. <laughs> you don't forget 10 cameras. Like, everything yeah. happens. Like, you know what's happening. Um, so my initial reactions are always like, as my husband would happily confirm, I get very reactive. Like, no, you know, that didn't happen. And, you know, and I do self-reflect a lot. Mm-hmm. And I do that actually with Rob like Rob and I will sit back Rob is like the king of like therapy and processing and but I'm someone that takes a long time to process Mm -hmm. I will process things fully the issue with filming is that you it's like you you work better I think or I don't know what better word for it if you process quickly like Mm -hmm. they want everything's lightning speed where I'm like if I met you and we had conflict like I would need a week or two to sort of process it and then I'll come back and like let's talk about it but you have like three hours to do it like you have to come back and do it and you're like well I need more time um so that's something that I have to learn that I learned through the process of filming um so when I look back yeah I mean I 
I've always been, despite growing up with all my body dysmorphia, my eating disorder, which would seem like someone who is hyper insecure. I think I really worked hard at trying to transform that pain Mm -hmm. into finding confidence in other ways, Mm -hmm. right? But my probably my biggest reason that I didn't want to do the show was being ridiculed about my looks. Oh my God. Which makes me like, like, literally it makes me cry. I actually am about to cry. Okay. Yep. Let's cry a little bit. Let's cry a little bit. Um, It's, it's like a, a minute to minute pain for me. Um, Just sitting here in my physical body, I'm always uncomfortable. Um, And, I was just so, I'm always constantly scared of it. And I will say, I haven't gotten really any negative about it. And Rob's like, see? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter, actually, the audience. Uh, what I realized, I don't need that. Um, I don't need that validation. It's just, so actually, I think the, the I'm going to be just talking tangents, but I think the, a most amazing part of being the show, however challenging it is ha- and has been, is has g- allowed me to really work on myself and realize that like that is something that I'm in constant um, process and working on, and it's it's for me. It's not like walking in and fearing what other people thought is something that I. I've just always lived my life like, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, I want to be okay with myself and, um, and yeah. So I find that really fascinating to watch back. And when I watch myself sitting there and like, I, there's a lot of like minor ticks that I, I watch myself obviously with different eyes and other people. Of course. And it's like, I just remember being like, oh God, I, do I, how do I look? That's all I kept thinking. So I think when my face is like sort of, people are like, oh, resting face or whatever, it's because I'm so uncomfortable physically. You know, I'm always kind of like awkwardly smiling because I'm nervous about um, being judged all the time mm-hmm. about how I look. Can I just say, just to push back on one aspect of that, she says to the woman who just bared her soul, <laughs> I don't think it comes for for me from my experience having had disordered eating since I was a child relating to trauma where yep. I was like I you know it's uh, it's a whole fucking thing but um I don't know that it comes from a place of insecurity. I wouldn't say I as an outsider now judging the journey that you just said in the most vulnerable vulnerable way possible the word insecurity I I don't I would be I I want you to be kinder to yourself than insecurity because for so many of us who deal with disordered eating and body dysmorphia, and again, you feel, you should feel however the fuck you want to feel and tell me to go fuck myself. And we'll wrap here. Um, (laughs) It doesn't necessarily need it. it, The idea of insecurity is almost further criticizing yourself for the journey that you're going on. And, and for me, at least it, the experience of disordered eating and the concern about it being weaponized has come from a place of 
uh, control and come from a place of needing to to feel better. For sure. Where it's like the I am in such a place of uh, fear, anxiety, stress that the only thing that I feel like I can control or the only thing that I can do to love myself is to, you know, partake in a system and a structure that's not good for me. But the one good thing about it is that I'm doing it from a place of love. If that makes any sense. It's it does. like something that my psychiatrist and I've been working on for a hot minute. Shout out Dr. K. I saw you earlier today. I owe you some money. <laughs> What's up Dr. K? But it's something that I've worked on with her and she started to say it to me a couple years ago and several months later I started to understand which was like, did you feel good in that moment? And I'm crying to her. I'm like, how dare you? There's nothing good about this. This is so painful. I'm so upset. Don't minimize the experience of what I'm going through by saying I somehow feel good. And she was like, yeah, let's um, work on that cognitive behavioral therapy that we're doing every week for an hour and think about it as you were trying to help yourself the best way you could. Like it just so happened that it's this thing that is maybe not ideal and it's this thing that sometimes feels like a burden it feels like the rock that I am carrying through my life and I just wish there was a day where I could let it go but there is no day like right. that's and everybody has their own experience and one person can say that it comes from a, a, a place of anxiety and another person can say that it comes from a place of self-loathing and another person can say that it, it has everything to do with a relationship with person x or y and by the or way, they're all true and they're all true yeah, everyone's everyone's history is different everyone's history is different yeah. and everyone's use of language in defining that history is different but i just offer a little a tiny little bit of a zhuzh which is to say that to live with any kind of disorder or what sometimes feels like a conflict or a burden or a weight or an obstacle, if we shift and we try to think about it as this is and feels like a burden, this feels like an obstacle, this feels like a problem that I constantly need to solve, and yet the answer is like won't let me go and it lives from within – But if I look at it as at its most granular, strangest, foundational weight, is this something that is that uh, is this disorder, illness, whatever you want to call it? Did it come from a place somewhere, even if it's been distorted from a place of like love of trying to provide something to myself for me just personally, just my little personal, you know, couple shackles? it has helped me a little bit because there is the idea of like the joke with my therapist, different than psychiatrist. Don't know if you got that. I did. But um, the joke with my therapist was at the end of every therapy session before COVID. And it wasn't a joke. I would look in her mirror and I would be like, can you please tell me if I look fat today? Like I would look at her, look at the mirror. And I'm like, I just really, regardless of the weight and she see me at every size, I was like, I just need you to like tell me if my face looks different because I feel like I I I feel like I look shocking right now. I feel yeah. like I and she would be like, Well, Sarah, you know, and that's your own experience. And like if you feel a certain way, she's like, Sarah, I see nothing different. And and it would end every single therapy I session. Completely understand that. For months. And yeah. it's something that people may not under to me dead serious because I've seen this happen in the Bravo world. It is the dirty little secret that gets 
absolutely no way. People refuse to understand or empathize with people who have experienced or live with disordered eating. Really? Yeah. Oh, not not great. In a way that they don't do when we're talking about forms of addiction based on uh, alcohol consumption. Or, or drug use or uh, many other instances. For some reason, there is a little bit of a wall when it comes to the idea of body shaming, fat shaming, and uh, an inability or disinterest in processing the harmful ways that people have weaponized bodies right. against primarily women. And to see someone on screen, on Beverly Hills specifically, a show that's all about an extra element of veneer, and to see someone who is talking about feeling uncomfortable in herself and feeling violated when her boundary or space has been crossed, to me, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I know exactly what she's talking about it's I watched that scene and I've watched the the episode since and to now understand don't cry or or cry (laughs) fuck it I'm the Oprah podcasting where's where's my Hawaii estate where is my (laughs) Stedman it's coming I can buy my own diamond (laughs) we can be engaged for 35 years I'm fine with that too billionaire with the P for poverty (laughs) um but the idea of you, you know, even having these kinds of conversations and yeah. fitting within the construct of housewives is incredibly powerful. And it's a conversation that I've had on Andy Scrolls. And, you know, there is a level of people just don't know. If you haven't experienced it, well, I you think may just not is. know. Yeah, if you don't know. And I, I don't begrudge anyone who can't connect with that because there's so many things that I can seemingly feel look cold or like I'll say that like if I haven't experienced it if I don't know anyone with it I I want to know I want to learn but if you don't if you've never had anything it's it's hard to connect you know but I did get a lot of messages after from people who have eating disorders who very much understood my experience and and maybe you're right like like you said like people there's there's a wall so the people that don't want to understand how I felt um maybe it's uncomfortable for them to talk about it you know or really understand what an eating disorder is and body dysmorphia um yeah it's it's so it's you know it's like all my friends who have I think most people have especially women you know Mm -hmm. they they're like oh I wish I enjoyed looking like that 10 years you know when I was 25 Mm -hmm. and I was thought you know and it's so weird to watch it so recently Mm -hmm. you know and and like oh my god like I I can look at myself now on tv like oh I look good there Mm -hmm. but I felt terrible I so get and I I, I still feel terrible now even though I know that like I can't connect them Mm. I cannot connect it. I feel physically uncomfortable all the time. And it's not its not like so hard on me because I think it's been so long, as you said, from childhood. Yeah. That it's not debilitating. It's like I've, I've come to a comfort mm-hmm. of being discom- uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is probably a messed up thing. No, I don't I, know. I'm nodding. I'm like, it definitely helped me during COVID. I was like, oh, well, here's my special buddy. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's so 
complicated yeah. and nuanced mm-hmm. and only if you can experience and, and and I even got some DMs from people not too many but like that's not you don't have a real eating disorder I do oh my god but I and I write but and I respond to those people you know even like because I said this is my experience whatever I'm talking yeah. about is my experience like I very much have one mm-hmm. I'm, I've been to a lot of therapy about it um but I think for just for me it's like the lesson learned back to the original question of watching back is like I would love to if I can if I can learn to just one inch closer to being more comfortable Mm -hmm. by by watching the show and just keep processing that experience of remembering how I feel watching it now remember if I just keep going through that maybe luckily I can get one step further to Mm -hmm. feeling okay which will help me with my eating disorder because I don't want it anymore and I know it'll be with me forever Mm -hmm. I know that it's a long-term thing um but just one step closer if that makes sense yeah it's something that Dr. K and I work on a lot which is like she hates when I talk about having a quote-unquote eating disorder because she's like you know, it's a, it's, it is what it is, but I, you're, you don't, that is not in the personality identification process. Eating disorder is not one of the letters chosen. Mm. And it's some, so often the ways that I think about myself start with that because it starts with your physical being. It starts with like, are you comfortable in your body or how do you treat your body as a reaction to outside circumstances or the ways that you cross boundaries with yourself, with your physical being that are actually a form of coping. Right. And it's understanding that it's like a weird thing when you think about the phrase disordered eating, because yes, it is technically and accurately disordered eating, but it's, uh, a perspective that was based for many people in the idea of needing a sense of control and it's totally control based yeah it's control based and it's like what's the best way to think about this in terms of without feeling like I'm minimizing myself or anyone else like the idea of understanding that you know, I'm always going to have a reaction to circumstance. And sometimes the reaction is healthy and sometimes it's not. And for a long time, and I still do this, I put up real serious boundaries with people where I'm like, don't tell me you're going to X or Y. Don't talk to me about how you feel about your body because I'm afraid it's going to trigger me. And what I've been trying to work through in my own life, or if somebody says something negative about, or if I think they're going to say something Mm -hmm. negative, whatever that is, or God forbid, swiping right, like so many different areas. But in the idea of, you know, thinking about the maintenance of boundaries, what is to me probably healthier in the long run, or at least, you know, selfishly more interesting is to think about the, okay, instead of laying out these boundaries and spinning out when they get crossed, like be okay with something, with someone pushing up against them. Hmm. Like it's not, it's not so black and white, which is, I think why I, with Andy's girls, I like love to live. I lap up living in the world of gray because life is not actually, it does not allow for that kind of 
regimented thinking because a line will always be crossed. Someone doesn't know when they're interacting with me what my boundaries are. And if the first thing they know is me expressing the boundaries to them, I'm already creating a boundary and like getting to know this person. So for your choice to go on a reality show like Beverly Hills, like the housewives generally, which in many ways is all about the crossing of boundaries, knowing your own journey as a human person and what you're going through, it's like an incredibly brave act. And to see what your experience was in Tahoe and even your experience in defending the words that you used for how you felt and your refusal to apologize for words, I found it really impactful, especially because there's an element of tone policing where people focus on I felt a certain way when a word was used and not why did she feel a certain way to begin with Mm -hmm. and coupled with that if you are telling people that the word violated is connected maybe with body dysmorphia maybe with something else or maybe just feeling like I am naked in this room filming a reality tv show now's not a great time for somebody to walk in and people respond and they're like well but I feel like you used it in a sexual context and you say repeatedly, but I, I didn't mean that. I'm telling you literally that I did not mean it, but I feel that you did and I'm upset that you did. And now I'm trying to comfort someone who's upset because they felt that you did, even when the, you tell them that you didn't, you're working and operating and participating willingly in an environment in an environment that's going to be shown in some context later on, on TV screens. People are going to want to discuss it. You know, your own human experience that you're bringing with you to the table and you're also allowing for the idea that people are going to act at you in a way that you don't agree with or that hurts your feelings it is actually to me a really interesting concept when you think of mental health because it's like you are allowing people to maybe encroach and cross over your boundaries and I can't imagine how painful that is in real time But I would think like the marathon of life style, like in six miles, that might actually, oddly enough, help you in some way. Because now you're at like the worst possible thing that you may have felt has helped you move a little bit quicker to like the next point in the race. Right. Which is a weird way of thinking about it. No, not at all. It's an outsider perspective. I get the benefit of not having had to experience it. It's a much, it's a... This comes from someone saying your perspective, it's because you process things quite deeply. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You really do. (laughs) And it's it's incredibly impressive. And it's where like I would love to be. Like this is that's my end game is to keep processing it. It you dissect things so incredibly well. I'm just saying that to you because it's it's so it's just so apparent. Um, but yes, for me, like, I think, you know, because you can only, there's only so much you could see, right? Like you film for every, you know, 80 hours, just eight minutes, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's kind of incredible when you really look at it like that. Um, I, I know my experience. I, I've worked, I've talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. you know, all my body dysmorphia stuff. So I know I use my words properly for myself Mm -hmm. and I think you know when people have their own interpretations of things 
my my perspective is just like okay fine like that's how you feel that's but the nature of this whole experience you can't just let it go mm-hmm. I don't really that that's not normal for me so normally like why well, just let's just agree to disagree this group doesn't like to agree to disagree they want everyone to agree at some point and so that was challenging for me because the only alternative would be like okay take it back and then which I for me I just have to be super authentic mm-hmm. and be honest mm-hmm. and if I did that I would be like a liar and then I'd be lying to myself if say I, that again I'm saying like if I were to take the word back yeah that would be inauthentic well why should you take the word back to to resolve things like because here's the thing this is again what I'm learning is like some like I said like I people I know I'm like in tangents in my head right now um People want to th- have things resolved. I understand that. I think that's good natured. Yeah. People want people to be happy. Sure. And hug it out. Yeah. And for me, my lesson of this, like getting to know people is what do they need? Because I don't have an ego like that. My ego is not like I'm going to win this war. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you know, in the moment, I it was hard for me to understand why no one could understand mm-hmm. my perspective. Um but I think what I'm learning, what I take away from it is really trying to understand. I'm going to, in the future, what I would do is I would ex- still express how I feel, still say this is my experience. And if you don't understand it, you know, like, let's try to find a way for you to. Mm-hmm. That would be how I would approach it next time. It's not being apologetic. It's not taking the word back. But I, I have to remember that people can't possibly understand what we go through yeah if they've never gone through it which sucks it's hard but they don't understand if they really don't understand it but they also everyone has their own patterns from their from their childhood Mm -hmm. right so I also that's a lesson for me is to remember that someone else has their own trauma and that something I'm saying or doing could trigger them too I mean these are great lessons to learn but also it might be in opposition to you know being on fucking housewives I mean I I don't know that they want someone that's like verbose talking about the gray for six hours I think they want someone who's like I'm not going to apologize I mean well I wouldn't apologize no matter what I mean and there we go and there we go yes I would not apologize and I you know I do I I I genuinely feel bad if anyone is affected negatively by something I say because that's never the intention Mm -hmm. you know um but I will also not apologize for how I feel personally. Well, I think that there are ways, you know, there's like the joke that I, uh, I'm sorry if you feel that way is like the most passive aggressive thing you could ever say. But in the context of that bolognese dinner and shout out to Harry Hamlin for He's amazing. a bang up job. Great. It, lo- everything looked great. Tablescape. It's beautiful. A plus plus. Um, also just his bemused possibly side almost disgusted expression as all these I just love I just love him to bits but um in that context the I'm sorry you feel that way I thought fit because it was like I'm sorry you were upset which felt seemed like it triggered her further I was totally genuine about that and I think that people say that flippantly so I do understand that um but I do. I don't want anyone to feel bad. Like that would. That is not. What do, you, what do you think triggered Sutton in that moment? 
again, I've been really dissecting this. Um, someone wrote something this week that I read that because they flashbacked on her mom. Yeah. And that maybe I am similar to her mom. So that I'm stoic, you know. Huh. And, and it's funny because this is, okay, because I, I, I always want to understand people. I want them to understand me. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, what is it in me? Yeah. Right? That might trigger her. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten to a much better place. So, like, it's been nice to, like, set, like things settle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of plays out over the next, you know, few months. But as I now, I, I like, again, I said, I need a lot of space. I need a lot of time to process. And now I'm, like, at a good place where I can really sort of dissect it and look at myself on outside, as an outsider. And I grew up with someone who was very similar that put a lot of blame on me. Similar to who? To Sutton. Sutton. To Sutton herself or her mom? To Sutton? No, I grew up with someone in my okay. life that was similar that um, had, you know, was very emotional. Okay, got it, got it, got it. And um, sort of took it out on me. Okay. Focused it on me. Got it. When I had, you know, because lack of, just hyper-emotional. Got it. You know, and which made me put up walls. Yeah. Because I, I could not, like, I, there were so many, every day, it was like every day on me, on mm-hmm. me, on me. Mm-hmm. And then if I would have any reaction, they would cry. So I think that that's for mm. me was my, you know, so, and I think based on the little I saw of her mom just in that thing, that mm-hmm. maybe that's, that's a negative trigger for her because she was upset that her mom wouldn't give her more. And mm-hmm. made, but I didn't know that until I saw this episode. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, maybe that is what she needed more from me, right? But I, I'm unwilling to give it because of my childhood experience. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So everything comes down to every single person, even my brother, grew up in the same house. Our experiences, we talk about this all the time. Totally different. A totally different. And your experience is obviously extremely different than mine. Mm-hmm. So I think not just Sutton, but everyone on the cast, I think that's how they put people together, right? Complete, like the dynamics change with mm-hmm. one person, one droplet, you know, the ocean's just waves, right? And I think that everyone, ha- I think everyone has a history. And when you meld people that and throw them into this kind of environment, mm-hmm. that's that's what creates not just drama, but um, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Intense conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I thought just myself as a viewer was thinking when I watched the lead up to that moment um, and shout out to pants, by the way, justice for pants. I am not a pants person. I don't I don't wear pants. I have two pairs of jeans that I (laughs) that I out of pity, honestly, for the I wanted to support the jean industry. But you're in jeans. I'm in a dress, you know, potato, potato. But um, let's call the whole thing off. The pants were adorable. I'm not a fashion girl. So, like, I I think that's what I was, like, laughing because I'm, like, I don't care. Like, fashion is not my thing. Yeah. And when that when that commercial came out, Kathy called me, like, oh, my God, it's so funny. <laughs> because she knows. She's, like, mm-hmm. it's about – because I wasn't there. Um, but it was funny, but my stylist called me. She's, like, 
what the fuck? Those pants are amazing. I'm like, relax, <laughs> dude. Who cares? There's pants, you know? She was like so mad. I was like, oh I don't God. care. Like, like that stuff just roll like that. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about clothes or anything like that. I mean, you do have a bemused look on your face when Sutton's yeah. your ugly leather pants and yeah. then, you know, high turn, very dynasty, very Dallas, very <laughs> like, like sassafras moment. You do. I don't think I've ever, I've never gone. I've never actually fought with anyone. So oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, this is what people, this is like, I just remember thinking it was so silly. Like, oh, this is like silly women fighting. Like, so I just like, I, I was literally outside of it in a way. Like I, wa- I was watching it happen. I was like, oh, she's yelling at someone at her pants. I was like, what? It was just so wacky to me. I just didn't understand it. So that's, but I get, because when I'm uncomfortable, yeah. I like, you know, like I have one girlfriend, Angela, she always laughs. Like if someone gets hurt, she laughs. And it's not because she's it's, cruel. It's she's, just a reaction. It's, it's just a, a physical reaction. guttural. It's like a defense mechanism. It's a defense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, like what am I supposed to say? Like, am I supposed to yell back? I don't like your shoes. Like, I don't, like, I don't insult people in their clothes. Like, I don't, that's not, I don't care about clothes. So it's not like something I would do. I don't, I just didn't know what to do. So I just stood there like, okay, she didn't like my pants. I mean, I would, you know, that combined with Hunky Dory, which I showed you my phone. It's the screensaver yes, on my phone. I wasn't there either. I didn't hear any of because I was up at you the were, top. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, it is one of the most interesting because it's much like hunky dory like in real like (laughs) kathy just wants to know who has that nickname because she thinks in nicknames so she's genuinely asking who is hunky dory so she can follow along with this conversation and your the look in your eyes the way that you looked at sutton when she was like head into the door it was fascinating it it did not feel in any way dark or or anything else it landed as like a bemused expression of someone who is filming the show participating in a cast member but also you did look a little bit like a bravo viewer who's now who got like admission to the zoo and is watching some like what what is even happening right that's how I felt it's the it's the like bubble inside the bubble inside the bubble which is actually I think the direction in which Housewives is headed because we've all seen too much it is we know these women we know the characters we know you bring up a great point because I watched the show so I always watched the show before so when I was in that moment in most moments I'm there and especially in the beginning like the first few months of filming a few weeks that was only a month into it Mm -hmm. um I always felt like a viewer, like I was on set watching the cast. So even though I was in it, I was like, what's, you know, and I remember production to be like, you're part of it. Like go into like walk on. I was like, like, I just remember like I felt like a viewer. Yeah. So all those moments happening, I'd be saying like, like, you know the cameras. That's the thing. It's not like you don't. People say, oh, you forget the cameras. Like, I didn't. So maybe some people do. Maybe if you're an, uh, an actor, you do. I didn't because I don't walk around with cameras around me. Right. So I remember feeling like a viewer. That's exactly my experience. I was like, oh, like they're all doing this thing right now. Then I was like, oh, that's why I just kind of sat there in the corner. Like, what's happening? Like, I'm not a part of this. 
this is their show. <laughs> I mean, but also how fabulous. I would love, I think that is an amazing experience because it's like a combination, Beverly Hills specific, specifically, and this is me- meant in the best kind of way, is like a combination of the Muppets take Manhattan and she, 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 she. <laughs> in the sense that it's like Lisa Rinna is a character. Yes. The Richard Saga is has been a Greek tragedy and now we're into a little bit of a rom-com. Right. Like we have seen all of the different ways. We've seen the, I mean, listen, Erica Jane is Eric. She is a 10-part miniseries, HBO, prestige, television drama that's probably being scripted as we speak. We actually feel like we are watching the script being written and read at the same time at this point. There are our archetypes in Beverly Hills because of the connection to Hollywood and also because we have watched these women for so long. So to interact with Kyle Richards sidebar I'm a total Kyle apologist and very happy for her relationship with Kyle and Kat it's pretty fabulous love a little screwball comedy with the Richard sisters but to watch the show as a viewer and then participate in the vehicle as a cast member I kind of love the idea (laughs) that you are aware of the mechanism. I think that hyper aware that adds to the kind of almost joy of it sometimes I feel like it's not good though no, I, well, I fucking love it, but I'm not you. I love that idea. As soon as you said that, I was like, that is probably, well, no, I, I would honestly forget about them. Oh, see, I, like, I'm a little bit crazy. But I'll tell you, now that when we stop filming, getting to them all individually, but from end yeah. of filming to now, mm-hmm. has humanized everyone for me. Yeah. I, because I couldn't meet anyone before. Like, they don't, like, that's not, but you just jump in, and then yeah. you're supposed to be like, Everyone's your best friend now. You're like, I don't know you. And I, you know, I, it's, and getting to know people in a group setting of eight constantly is not, is because there's so, so much other stuff going on from mm-hmm. their history, mm-hmm. from the seasons past. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm just sitting there as like a viewer. Yeah. So I remember all those moments. I was like, what's happening? Like, I literally was a deer in headlights all the time. So it was like, I was, and my, go-to discomfort face is like laughing or smiling like just trying to be like okay I'm just here sitting mm-hmm. here quietly because I don't know what to do because mm-hmm. I'm not the type to interject myself when I don't need to be there you know even if it was happening to me I was mm-hmm. like I'm just that's just not my personality I don't need to like I remember they were like you can give your opinion I'm like well I don't need to give my opinion right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's not necessary, mm-hmm. but I, the nature of the show is about, and to get to know people, they want to know your opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I totally like that. That moment was like, what's going on? I mean, it's an iconic moment. I have to I, tell you that episode is one. like in the how there is a literal housewives museum at BravoCon, And it is <laughs> the, the leather pants. I swear. Do you still have them? Of course. Have you worn them since? Yes. I wear leather pants all the time now. It's like my thing. Do you do a high weight? Because it had like a belt situation, t- belt. right? And pleating? Yes. They're ALC. They're fabulous. Did you see know. Rachel Zoe had some thoughts on it on Watch What Happens recently? I did. And what do we think about that? I think she would like them in real life. Right? Yeah. I think that she because would think they that they chose, were bananas. they chose like a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was sort of like it should have been pulled down and whatever. I'm like, yeah, oh, they don't look great in that moment. But they look good in like in movement. But by the way, I actually don't really, like, I don't even know where I'm wearing tonight to watch what happens. Like, I don't care. I'll just bring a bunch, and then I let, like, whoever's in the room decide. I don't, like, all my confessionals, I 
plan that day. Like I was like, let's try this and I just do it. Like it's not, that is not my thing. So I don't really care. I just love I the idea so of bad. you going out to dinner in leather pants. I just think that would oh. be so meta for a Bravo viewer to be like, oh my God, is that Crystal from Beverly Hills? Is she in leather pants right It's now? constant. My friends are like, why are you not wearing your leather pants today? I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't mean At to Bravo offend Con, you. Would you wear leather pants to BravoCon? Yeah. I, I'm honestly, I'm looking at you dead in the eye. I'm going to need, I'm going to need yes. to have a conversation. I really feel like you want is, the exact ones, right? doesn't matter to me. I'm oh, open, I but I feel like it's a moral imperative. <laughs> it's like hashtag nature is healing. It's to see you show up at BravoCon with leather pants. And then someone asks Sutton what she thinks and she's going to fucking love them. That's what I, I wear leather pants way more often now. I just oh, feel I love like that it's journey a for thing. you. I love that. And Rob's always like, oh, the pants. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, baby, the pants are like, I just wear them all the time now. I mean, I love it. I maybe I'm maybe I'm turning into pants. It's, I don't know. No, they're they're pretty amazing. I mean, listen, speaking of amazing, I do need to give a little shout out to the um, sponsor. For yes, yes. <laughs> I know, we haven't even, like, I feel like there's so much. Oh, there's so much. And there are some questions that I, uh, I okay. need to ask you. Um, but listen, speaking of all things uh, amazing that I love, this episode is brought to you by the amazing new podcast, Jeff Lewis Has Issues. You may know Jeff Lewis from the hit Bravo series, Flipping Out, or his serious XM radio show, Jeff Lewis Live. And now Jeff is bringing you a brand new podcast we think you'll love called Jeff Lewis Has Issues. Whether it's drama with family and friends to parenting or relationships, there's no denying Jeff Lewis has issues. Jeff is joined each week by friends, experts, and celebs from Tamara Judge and Jackie Schimmel to Judge Lauren Lake, Patty Stanger, and others as they take a no-holds-barred deep dive into every detail of Jeff's life. Come for the laughs and leave feeling so much better about your own life. Um, I'm very into that. Check out Jeff Lewis Has Issues. You can subscribe now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And thank you so much, Jeff Lewis Has Issues, for sponsoring this wonderful app with my um, favorite and America's sweetheart, Crystal, <laughs> from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Guys, if you are still listening to this amazing Fashion Police special episode <laughs> of uh, Andy's Girl, Listen, I do have a question for you because you talked about your experience as a viewer, now a participant in all things Housewives, which is a wild journey, but one that I think we're getting into when we get into the generation of new Housewives and people joining franchises in motion as opposed to ones that um, are currently on air. I think of Beverly Hills as a tentpole franchise, and I mean that in the best possible way of like, it is a prestige Housewives okay. show. So how have your opinions of the housewives changed as you've gotten to know them from being, you know, a housewife yourself? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Do it. Rob's here. Can he come in? Of course he can. Rob. <laughs> oh, my God. Hakuna Matata, Rob. Hakuna Matata. This is Sarah. Hi, how are we? This is Rob. Come I'm so good. Come sit, come honey. Have a seat. Come just watch us talk about ugly leather pants. Okay. Do you, what do you think about the pants, honey? I did not think they were that ugly. <laughs> that ugly is the, yeah. I'm going to remember the that. That's that that would be the conversation I'd have with my husband later on. And be yeah. like, let's walk that word back a no, little bit. No, that's pretty good I think that's great. I think that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. No, Rob is like, you know, because of his job, he looks at costumes and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I come like, what do you think? Like, oh, if I'm going to dinner. He's like, um... 
I'm like, okay, not asking you. You're supposed to just say you look great, but he will like, I don't know about this. So Rob will be very honest about. Sometimes if it's for, you know, for the effect that it has. <laughs> if you want to go for this or you want to go for that. And I, and I did say to her, I said, it, I said, if you want to piss off Seven, wear those leather pants. <laughs> did you say that? Oh. oh my God, I believe. Did you see how gullible I am? I lit truly. Can I ask you a question, Rob? If you were to. This is going to make no sense, but welcome to the pod. If you were to, yeah, come closer to a mic. We're going to have a little conversation with you. If you were to compare your experience or watching the show or the show itself to any Disney movie, the world of Beverly, this is a deeply unfair question. I just thought about it and it's bringing me joy to make you feel slightly uncomfortable with having to because it's very complicated so welcome to my psyche what what disney movie do you think the real house of beverly hills would be um oh gosh so hard right no it's too hard that's too hard i i I don't know really no yeah it's too hard interesting ensemble yeah i was gonna say a disaster movie but i don't (laughs) but i can't think of a disney disaster (laughs) movie you know what I just thought of? Like the perfect storm. <laughs> oh, a great movie, yeah. Clooney. Um, uh, Amal could be a potential housewife of yeah, if she's, absolutely. you know, tired of trying war criminals and like l- being married to George Clooney. Yeah. You know what I just thought of? You're gonna. I don't know that you're, that you're gonna like this, but you know what? What Disney movie actually kind of thought of as I said that out loud? What? Little Bit of Little Mermaid. <clears throat> how do you? How do you see? You know, Rob, I have no idea. Rob created Ursula. Shut up! No, you well, did not. Was, oh, well, was it based a, wait, on Lisa Vanderpump? Yeah, just kidding. I, I, <laughs> I bragged I for. I was a character designer on the movie, and I did a design, a drawing of Ursula, kind of uh, inspired by Divine. You know, Divine from John Waters movies. Of course, I know Divine. But it was very different than what what the uh, the writers, who are also the directors, wrote in the script. They described her as Joan Collins esque. So all the other designs were of a very slender very you know sort of big yes. forehead and black hair and i drew this sort of divine yes. very, rather extra voluptuous yes. kind of woman um you know with with pink lips and blue eyeshadow which looked very much like a, a thing from a divine and uh howard ashman who produced and wrote the lyrics uh came into a meeting apparently and saw that one drawing and said that's that's her that's you her. are I literally am outside of my body right now you do you, she's like justice for Ursula number yeah, one right? a, exactly. fan, a fantastic fantastic her. character and you created the, the essence of you create you made Ursula Ursula and then I, I actually did did I did came on the project and did um, the very first animation of the character with the with the octopus tentacles and all of that you can hear Ursula. I am. If you guys could see the look of disbelief, that is such an incredibly important part of like pop culture movie history. Is am I like using yeah. words properly? How do how do words work in a sentence? I just think that's amazing. That's phenomenal. Wow. And I didn't know. Do people know about the uh, the connection with the vine? Yeah. <clears throat> it like, comes see, up like, every, every like now serious and then. animation. Fan. Actually, this I is really crazy. didn't know. So, so we did a live action reference, which means that you uh, photograph a, a human actor performing different stuff. So, uh, I brought in a friend who was also a CalArts. Um, uh, it, it, he wasn't in the animation department. He was in the acting school. 
but he was a roommate and he came in and it was a he and he was rather large. He dressed up in a muumuu and up. did the whole kind of divine kind of cross-dressing thing. And Howard Ashman was actually there. And there is videotape that exists, um, but, it, uh, but I haven't gotten my hands on it yet. But yeah, so there's a whole kind of, yes. But it's, I don't know, it's not talked about. I don't know. I, I'm oh, without words. Oprah has now I'm like choked. literally <laughs> without words. Do I, 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 I actually, this is like the, I don't know why I feel emo about this part now. Too. We've had some crying. Things are happening. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Sure. On behalf of every person who has ever seen The Little Mermaid. Actually, you know what? Is the Little, Mer the Little Mermaid is in my top it would be the little, obviously, the Lion King. I mean, obviously, obviously. obviously. <laughs> little Mermaid, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. which is my father's favorite movie. But, you know, I he's not. I worked on that, too. What did you do for that movie? Well, I worked in the early uh, part of development and wrote a treatment of the, of the story. Wrote kind of an early draft of a. Wow. Of a I was, yeah, I was young. I was a kid. I was wow. in my 20s, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm in my spiritual mid twenties, so okay, we can you. meet there. We're I'm meeting in the I'm middle. So I, I still am. Right, that's what we're we're yeah, both in our spiritual mid twenties. Animators is they 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 never grow old. So, what has your experience been watching your wife take on a different kind of entertainment vehicle? Well, it's been kind of fun. I mean, I, it's, I'm enjoying it. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's 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 a big change. It's kind of it's crazy. It's a sort of crazy thing. Um, well, I'm like lying in bed, crying. Like, what are they? Those moments, like, those moments where where it's really affected her, and it's been very difficult, which were which is not wasn't unexpected. So I, I remember before she decided to do the show, talking to her about it and saying, "Okay, here's the things you need to prepare for. Yeah, you know, be always be on your guard, be realistic. You know, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to come at you that you know are unavoidable. Yeah, uh, you just have to. It goes with the territory once you become a public person. You know, it's just a lot of stuff that you know you don't think about, I guess, or you can't you can't know until you get there, mm -hmm. which is I think Crystal's experience. It's sort of you can talk about it, but mm -hmm. until you're actually confronting it and living it. It's, it's sort of abstract. So now she's been living it, but she's, I think, doing incredibly well. You know, she's very resilient. She's bounced back a few times. I mean, listen, Beverly Hills, it gets compared to the dynasty, the Dallas, the like over dramatic at times. The fact that there's glam for a brunch, a picnic, a barbecue lends the idea that this is escapist to the hilt. But you work in the world of Ursula. So you're like used to these kinds of people. I mean that in the most positive kind of if you are living inside the head of Ursula. Lisa's not going to seem that different. You know what I'm saying? I mean that in the best, most entertaining way. That it's like the idea of escapism, of characters, of sometimes cart of car literal and figurative, uh, at times cartoons. Fair enough. But I think for me, because of what I do, I I'm always interested in why people do what they do. Yes. Not what they do particularly. Like people do stuff. They do crazy stuff. And I don't, for me, I don't judge what they do because yeah. I'm more interested in why? why they do it. And for me, I, when I feel like I understand why they do it, I sort of go, oh, I get it. Like, I, I understand why they're that. You see why I married him? Yeah, I'm super into like you. Like, he's, yeah. that's it? Yeah, 100%. And that's why when I said, it's like when we watch it, 
later yeah. after I he's like okay we gotta let's talk about what you did I was like you get off get the fuck out of here and then I'm like okay eight months later I'm like so remember when you said so I've processed and I've watched it back he's like okay let's talk about it so it's very helpful like he's Rob is well, that's why it's a great partnership because we have emotional intelligence where you're probably in real time kind of unpacking the why and we have emotional expression, which is still seeped in the well of emotional intelligence, but where you're able to like express how you're thinking and maybe you you obviously think about the why, but you just process it in a different way. Yeah, that's what we were saying. It takes me a long time a to minute. process and I need time. Um, but anyways, back to it. I mean, I think we're wrapping up the animation element. Just want to say thank you so much on behalf of Ursula, apologists everywhere. Really, I mean, an iconic, iconic role in history. So welcome. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, I'm going to talk to your wife just just a little bit more before she gets ready for Watch What Happens. Um, So so you were asking me about the difference. Yeah, between watching the women as a Bravo viewer and now being a Bravo lab. Okay, so that is even odd yeah because i i still like it's over so i just i'm back to like my normal life sure but yeah that part's weird um you know it just humanizes people and Mm -hmm. i think that's sort of what happens when anyone meets a celebrity like i said i viewed them as celebrities before right as well they are yeah there are actual celebrities who go and watch what happens live who specifically request you know housewife x or y there are people who in interviews a friend of mine is um uh annalee ashford who's a uh, Tony winner and is now in the Ryan Murphy the new Monica vehicle and she talks about that she talked about uh, on a recent ep of AG like she'll go on a red carpet and she'll be by genuine huge celebrities but she sees Melissa Gorga and she's like oh my god Melissa and Joe like it's there are ways that actual celebrities working you know yes. actors in Hollywood look at housewives different than each other even totally I mean because I have friends who are actors I and they are like superstands. Yes. Yeah, I believe they that. call me like I need to know before it yeah. comes out tonight. And like you shut up, I'll just watch <laughs> it, fucking idiot. So, but uh, they all know who I'm talking about right Love now. Love it. But and like big actors, I'm like shut up. But they're obsessed. Like yeah. they ha- they're obsessed with it. So here's what I love about it is that I get to know them as whole people. Yeah. Right. Like what you see is very narrow version Mm -hmm. although real Mm -hmm. um but they're all very dynamic people Mm -hmm. they're all moms wives ex-wives daughters you know and full of emotion no one's perfect but every single one of them all good people all like I get to know them in a different way and they get to know who I am rather than this sliver of Mm -hmm. a character that I am and um so that's that's always great, you know, and and now that I get to know that more, I think I'll, for sure it's I don't feel like I'm watch I'm on a movie set anymore that I felt season one. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has checked in on or who who has checked in on, on you most knowing a freshman season is often the most burdensome because the 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 switch yeah. from, you know, viewer or whomever human person to now talent and specifically a part of the housewives has any specific cast member checked in on you just to be like, this is going to, you know, buckle up. Yeah. So I would say Garcelle from the beginning, we were texting already like in Tahoe. 
Oh, wow. Like, just because she knew was go- a lot was going on. Yeah. And just checking in with me in my, you know, texting me. Lisa has been very incredible guidance. Um, And that was during filming. Mm. But since I talked to everybody all the time, Dorit was great. Everyone was really helpful. And like Dorit was like, you know, you never came like – they're always weary of the new girl. Like, what mm, is her course. thing? And does she have a vendetta? Yes. Is she going to come after someone? Yeah. To- and they're like, you're not that. Yeah. So they're like, everyone's cool. Like, everyone's happy because you're not that person. And I'm like, oh, what does that look like? Like, that would be weird for me if someone came in, like, guns blazing. Yeah. But that's what I was expecting. I was expecting guns blazing, you know, but I was like, oh, I'm just going to kill them with kindness and you know it all changed it all you know it's like you just don't know you don't know what the na- dynamics are going to be like yeah um but I you know it's there all these women every single one of them is you know they're all really good people and um have real lives mm-hmm. you know it's what's interesting is a lot of audience just thinks this group is like your friend group mm-hmm. like everyone has like real there's friendships in this group for sure and there's also other friendships too. Right. You know, and um, so when people like go out together and you're not included, it's like I'm allowed to have dinner with whoever I want to, whether if it's two people together, all eight of us, one of us, it doesn't doesn't downgrade my relationships with other people. Totally. I would think it would strengthen them. Sure. But it's just everyone, you know. I have to ask you about the Erica element because you happen to be having your first season on a season of one of the prestige franchises on a season that will go down is one of the best seasons certainly of modern history (laughs) and the real housewives of it all but you're also dealing with circumstances that haven't necessarily been seen before we've you know crime be criming so we've seen it a little bit on Jersey we're definitely going through it in an entirely different way on Salt Lake City. And in Beverly Hills, you guys have the pleasure of finding out this stuff. And this stuff is like in quotes because who even knows what pleasure. that is. You know, I mean, what a privilege it is to find this stuff out while you're filming with each other, trying to get to know someone who you have seen as a viewer for several seasons, who you are now trying to understand as the human person behind the, you know, it's not ice, it's diamonds. And then you're finding out all of this other stuff or perhaps have questions. How did you find your role? You know, like, what did you feel like your role was in all of that? Um, So two parts to that. So my, I felt very much I was already uncomfortable being on camera the whole time let alone her having to share all this information Mm. with someone she just met yeah so I really took a step back um because I felt almost guilty Mm -hmm. like I wouldn't want to a lot of people don't talk about this anyway a lot of people have go through their own stuff you don't Mm -hmm. you're not sharing it with brand new people in front of camera so I was just there like we really connected as you see from last episode like um when she talks about him with dementia, possible mm-hmm. dementia, and that's what my dad went. So I just has been there to support her, mm-hmm. ex- you know, showing her and expressing to her what I went through as a daughter of it. Other than that, um, I it was really interesting, again, because this was still fairly early in the season, like mid-season now. Um, 
I still, at this moment, still felt a little bit, I was getting closer with them, but still felt like I was watching the show. So I was like watching yeah. the cast go through this as I'm sitting there listening in. Like I just got to hear it before you guys got to watch it today. That's how I felt, I remember. Um, the other part of it was, you know, I remember Lisa was like, and, and Kyle, they were like, you're really getting to know a side that we don't really get to see, this yeah. very raw, vulnerable side. And because I was like, oh, she s- seems so warm. Yeah. Because even though I watched a show, and that's why I think, I think Andy asked me last time and watched, like, who was the most that you did, like, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I watched the show and then I'm getting this side. But, but when you get to see them day in, day out, I'm watching an extremely vulnerable side, right? Mm-hmm. So I am getting to know her as the first time ever getting to know someone who is not the ice girl that has this I mean, character from the before. ice is fully melted yeah. at this point. So that's why I connected with her because of that, of her story about the sickness. And um, so it was interesting. So they were saying to me, you are, you are getting to know her in a very different way. So me specifically, you know, my yeah. first season. So that was very interesting. And so that's how we developed our friendship. What happened when the cameras went down that night? When she's like, yeah, he was unconscious for 12 hours. I found him out of his car. He drove down a cliff. Also, he was having an affair. There's a lot of stuff happening. This yeah. is a new person in your life yeah. who you know. You you certainly know of them. Yeah. But you also are aware that this is a very different kind of scenario and it's very apparent according to the other people at the table that this is all very new information was there a little bit of a like what the fuck just happened um for me I was just listening because I wasn't there last year so I right a couple years ago when she told them the story and because I know that only so so much is shown yeah. versus the whole lengthy conversation. I was just sitting there listening because I'm like, there must have been a long conversation three years ago too. Mm. And so they're all trying to make sense of it where I'm listening for the first time. So I don't have any discrepancies. Yeah. I'm just true. listening. I was that's like, true. Oh, okay, that's the story. Like, and I'm, and he's like, do you believe her about her divorce? I was like, why not? Like, if you just told me you're getting divorced, like, okay, like I met you three days ago. Yeah. Why would I not? And at this time, it was still that same feeling of like, they're like, what happened? And I just thought, well, she, she's obviously trying to protect a story of, you know, he's, he's a prominent lawyer. All this, it all made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I like, I'm someone that needs everything to make sense. Mm -hmm. So when I was sitting there, it, the story is wild. It's like, it sounds like it's from a movie. However, I totally believed that when she was telling the story, why she didn't tell the whole story mm-hmm. three years ago because you're protecting your marriage and your family. So th- there's nothing to be ashamed about that. Yeah. You know, everyone has their stuff behind closed doors and people should be allowed to have that. And when you want to share it, you share it. And so this was the time for her to share the whole thing. But again, I didn't have, I didn't hear the stuff before. So I had nothing, I just heard it for the first time. It was like a new story for me. And I mean, I feel like that response is a little bit of a window into the tension of what seems to have to exist specifically for you and the rest of the cast when it comes to just like navigating everything that's happening right now. Because 
in real time, we all have the benefit, those of us who are watching the episodes now, of knowing where this story goes without actually knowing where it's Mm -hmm. going to end. At least when it comes to like the conversation in the news, the updates that we're hearing legally, and also the release of the Hulu documentary, which was really centered around or or seen through the lens of the actual victims of Tom's alleged crimes. And there's the question of Erica, which remains a question mark. We're also now seeing her responses on social, which are pretty aggressive. And we're watching those responses as we watch her open up, maybe for the very first time on Housewives, and share real vulnerabilities and secrets even of things that we didn't know that no one would have ever known. And we know that the only reason we're hearing them is because of the divorce and because of maybe everything that's going on legally. And there's a tension there because there seems to be anger in the Bravo world about any kind of seeming empathy for Erica of like, we can't feel bad for her because there are victims and burned literal people whose families have died, whose money and, and hope was stolen from them by her husband. And yet it is also true that one can feel empathy for Erica and her experience, acknowledge that we'll never actually really know the question that most people are asking of, do you think Erica knew? We can empathize with her, with what she's going through, with our new understanding of her relationship with her husband, which led to their impending divorce. We can empathize with the pressure that she's under and the enormous financial strain of that, the legal questions that remain, and also ask, like, where is the button that goes off of expressing any empathy for the other lives that were harmed? Okay, so I totally understand what you're saying. I really do. Yeah. And I would probably feel that same way had I not been on the show. Yeah. Because you can watch everything through sort of this um, edited lens, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Social media is edited too. All of it, it's like designed to mm-hmm. create a story, right? All I know for me is that I saw a whole person. Yeah. I saw someone who constantly messaged and still today messages me to check in how I'm doing with the show. Love that. Like – I'm like, why are you text? I literally like, you're going, don't worry about me. I'm good. This is a hard show. It's like, are you okay? Like, that's the person that I get to experience. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I cannot, I, I, whatever guidance she's getting, mm-hmm. there has to be a reason to not address what's going on with the victims. Mm-hmm. Because those are the real victims in this all. But by the way, she might be a victim too. I completely agree. We don't know. And it's also the tension of the idea that people are like, but the story should be about the victims. And that's not that that's wrong. I agree with it. But Erica is on a reality show about her life. The, The lens that we are seeing this, yes, the focus of the story when it comes to the greater idea of who was most harmed by this, I think everyone... And maybe Erica at some point, privately or whatever, can agree that the people who were most harmed, whose lives were most put in jeopardy, were the burn victims. Yeah. There's a reason that people I keep- can't imagine that that's not in her heart. 
that's hard for me to imagine that that's not that she doesn't think about that all the time I think right now she and this is all speculation yeah, yeah. because I try to put myself in her situation right yeah. where mine was leather pants mm-hmm. and I felt my world was spiraling mm-hmm. of the intensity of arguing about a word mm-hmm. I can't ima- this is real stuff my stuff is is frivolous you know what I mean looking back yeah it, but in the time how intense it was for me what she's going through is is unimaginable across and no one can no one can put themselves in her shoes mm-hmm. you can try so I try so I think what is she going through I think she is likely in survival mode mm-hmm. her whole life is has crumbled it's not it has crumbled right mm-hmm. and whether she is per, a victim we don't know we, we don't, don't know. know but I think I can I, that's the only thing I can think of mm-hmm. as to why that hasn't been addressed yet she has a whole team you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what I would do. I uh, I, I don't know. But I, I can't imagine, from the little that I know, I can't say, you know, we're, mm-hmm. you know. But from what she has shown me and her concern for me, mm-hmm. there's no way she's not thinking about it. Yeah. And I do hope yeah. that it does get addressed at I, some point. I think I there's... Just, maybe she can't right now. I don't know. I think that there's a way for it to maybe happen, but it probably can't happen while she's in triage. I think it's like a next season That's, kind of thing. And I think that we have an expectation of wanting wrongs to be made right. And that's just not how people process things. Yeah. And what she's probably finding out now, regardless of whether she suspected it, is her life wasn't real the foundation of her relationship with her husband and the lifestyle he provided and the concessions that she made as a person as a partner as a caregiver made in support of helping him to provide for her and their family was based in some ways on fraud I mean in some ways I mean I don't know how much of it we're still figuring this out now that is a lot to take on. And then you have hundreds of thousands of people who are telling you that you were involved in something without an understanding that at the end of the day, no one will ever know. So the end of the sentence is the hope that a lot of people have, myself included, regardless of how realistic that is, psychologically, professionally, legally, or otherwise, is that she is able to acknowledge the harm that has been done to people and the hope that that happens at a certain point. And it's like people can feel anger and they have the right to feel anger and they have frustration certainly about how she's, you know, discussed this online, which has been in a sardonic way, regardless of whether it's like based in defensiveness of like self-protection. And it just might be that that acknowledgement happens, but the show is centered around Erica and her experience. So it may well happen. It just might not happen yet, you know? Again, what she was experiencing was real time. Yeah. Ten months ago. Totally. How she, That's what happened with me, right? Mm. And I think what I, I'd like to give grace to her in that she's going through trauma. And just because someone else's trauma is bigger, which is no doubt. The victims is bigger, regardless whether she knew or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her trauma is real for her. So, like, mm-hmm. what I was going through with Sutton 
right? I compare that on a smaller scale. My, I could only feel my trauma. I yeah. couldn't feel her trauma. Mm-hmm. But, but 10 months later, I give grace to her trauma. She had trauma when arguing with me and vice versa. We're both allowed to have that. Yeah. Regardless of who's right, who's wrong, and even if one person's right. Mm-hmm. If it's one person in this thing with us is 100% right, but the other person's wrong, both are still allowed to experience their feelings. So I think that if people want her to act, I guess I'm just thinking like, if people want me to act today how I was 10 months ago, that's also unrealistic. Yeah. You know, like people are like, they're, they're, why are you doing this? It's like, this was 10 months ago. Mm-hmm. And I can't, like, it's, just keep watching is what you're supposed yeah. to say, right? So I think that for her, because the story is just starting still, we're not at the end, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just time. You know, that I, that's what I imagine is happening. I don't know. I mean, I don't ask questions. Like, I don't, it's not my business. If she wants to share with me, she will. But I mean, but I can't, I, I just can't imagine she doesn't think about that. I don't, she doesn't say, she does never show me that kind of person that she is. I mean, I also think that's why the reunion is so important because it's the understanding of what we have seen now play out confessionals you may not have seen other stuff you may not have seen and the public reaction to it and then it's like the cast reaction to the public reaction and also to what they've seen cast members say yeah online how are you feeling about going into your first reunion I'm not nervous at all great I think people are just like why are you not nervous I'm like I don't know I just know how I feel love that my heart's open my mind's open I know I am and um, and I, I feel very convicted in my feelings. I also feel like I've evolved even just from a show. I've, I've literally grown so much from doing the show. That is the that. benefit. So much on so many levels. Like it's, I came home actually right from New York, honey, last time. And I'm like, I've had this epiphany about, <laughs> about my, my privilege and what it means. And uh, he's like, okay, just chill. Fucking yeah. Relax. Right. It was like, I was love I not, that though. Like, wild? I was like, Oh, I'm like, I have to really, probably, uh, so, you know, that's my gift and I have so much more to go, but whatever happens, the reunion, it's like, that's where I am at the moment and it's going to be okay. Cause I'm okay with how that was me a year ago. Mm-hmm. Cause I know where I am today and I, in a year I'll be different too. Um, but no, I'm not nervous about it. And I also, I have a good life and I've, I'm lucky and I'm just, I try to find gratefulness in all of this experience. So just being able to be there, I'm going to be grateful for it. So Are you coming back for a second season? Eyes. I don't <laughs> We'll see. Let's wait. Let's get through season one. Okay. I'm going to need you to come back on the people's people's couch and <laughs> ask you that question again after you record the reunion. Wait, what were you going to say? I just, let's get through season one and. Just, just I'll see. You know? All right. Yeah. All I right. think it's. We'll watch what happens. Yes. I love it. Um, Listen, I've taken up more than enough of your time. Can I just say what a delight this was maybe like the most enjoyable (laughs) in every way. I really feel like we've, we've, we've covered a lot here and I think the lens and the, um, you know, the care in which you've talked about your experiences is incredibly powerful. And I just really think vulnerability is absolutely everything. And you should be really proud of how you've handled yourself on the show, certainly on this one. And, um, 
you know, I selfishly am desperado for you to stay next season <laughs> because in my like crafty little brain, I have an idea similar to Garcelle and, um, Kyle, I always felt like, oh, united together. <laughs> like, it would be magical. And I see that with you and so many of the cast members, and I'm excited for you to come into hopefully a second season, which I will force upon you. You think this is a choice that you're making, and I've already signed on your behalf. But I, I think that it could be something really incredible to watch you knowing the things about yourself, the lessons that you've learned, the little bit of maybe some battle scars from your first season. But, you know, people talk about a second season curse. And I also I also think about it as a second season opportunity, which is like, OK, you're no longer new at this. There's yeah. a lot of power in that and not being the one who's just trying to figure it out you have the benefit of having already experienced it. You now know truly what you've signed up for. You've also survived one of the craziest seasons of any franchise. <laughs> this was not an idea in anyone's head, even when it comes to the Erica stuff alone, plus everything else, plus yeah. the ugly Wilner man. <laughs> I would love to see you back a second season. Um, and I'd love to hear more about your life and your journey and, and everything thank else. You. And I can't thank you enough for coming on Andy's Girls for this 700-hour episode. I adore you. I um, just love you. Andy's girls. I mean, I truly adore you. I think you are fantastic and uh, incredibly powerful in every possible great way. Tell the AGs how to follow you on social and um, make a margarita on Instagram <laughs> and all this other amazing stuff. I'm at I'm at Crystal. Kung She's Mankoff. not sure. Okay, that's wonderful. <laughs> and I know everybody's like, get on TikTok and whatever. I'm like I mean, a little I behind. I will. I, I will. I, I have a TikTok. It. I think I have seven followers. I have three. I just looked at mine. I've never <laughs> like, posted yeah, and I never together. go on it. Yeah. Um, but I will. And then people are like, do YouTube, whatever. But for now, I'm a dinosaur with my Instagram and it's just, it's fine. It's, you know. I mean, and you're making these like amazing recipes. So let's That's just, my, it's very my fabulous. Passion. And I talked about that, like going from an eating disorder to hating food, mm. I decided and I'm like, I'm going to just try something and mm -hmm. love it. And it's been been such a great thing for me. Um, so, yeah. So that's where I'm at. I mean, Crystal, my God, thank you so much. Everybody follow her if you're not already. And then when you're on Instagram, follow me at Dame Galley, patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls for exclusive bonus episodes. We recorded this episode before um, this week's Beverly Hills has aired and uh, I've heard New York is still ongoing. So I'm going to be recapping those episodes um, on Patreon. So if you want to hear my thoughts and feels on this week's app, of course, you need to be a Patreon AG and our uh, AG Summer Zoom Winter Charm Patreon Kiki is this Sunday August 8th at 5pm Eastern Standard um, and sign up for Patreon for that exclusive Zoom link to OGs of the AG and the People's People's Couch levels Crystal thank you so much again oh my god wonderful Rob thank you so much for Ursula and everything else <laughs> um, guys hope you are feeling safe and sane getting vaccinated if you can and we We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.